uh, sitting by, or standing by, I should say, uh, on the phone, ladies and gentlemen, the lead singer from the cult, uh, joined by Ian Astbury this morning. Good morning, Ian. Good morning. How are you? Good. This is early for me. <laughs> I, I know. I, you know, yeah. I, I always, I, I have to be honest. I'm always, I always feel bad uh, because I know the touring. <laughs> the, well, because the touring life yeah. is is brutal, and if you know about the insides of it, you know, you know that getting up pre- before noontime or whatever is is a bitch. So my apologies. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> my apologies. <laughs> so I do feel bad, but I I do appreciate the, the you taking the time to come on with us because no, absolutely. Uh, Right. Long-time fans of the cult. They are, of course, coming to the Bank of New Hampshire Pavilion on August 2nd. Uh, Ian and the cult touring with STP and Bush. And this is this is one of the power shows, I think, uh, of the summer, right? I think this is this is a blockbuster tour. Are you asking me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a statement, but I mean... For... I kind of feel... It's, a, it's, it's strange, man. I kind of feel more like this is the uh, the underdog outsider tour of the, of the season, you know, because... Um, a lot of the, ba- the all three bands have been around for a minute. Um, they've got strong bodies of work, right? And um, you know, but we've never we've never tried anything like this before. So it's kind of experimental because it's going to be a revolving headliner. Yeah, you know, usually you get a tour is like the de- de- defined headliner and that's it. But this time around, you got three headliners. We're intrigued to see how it goes. See, I, I, what I like about that is is uh, is obviously three bands are strong contenders in each of their own rights. And in today's world, where there's so much competition, Ian, for for not only the concert dollar but the entertainment dollar, I mean, I think it's a genius idea to take three you know, strong bands, rotate them around. It's it's good for the audience because certainly there's a huge chunk of music real estate right there, and different you know different styles, uh, so to speak and uh like you said a large body of work i i love it i love these kind of shows and i hope that we see we see more of them in the future but i don't also want to take away the ability of being able to see the cult you know in a in a in a venue that is just featuring you guys as well i mean that's that's the benefit of a shorter tour like this yeah we've kind of cults kind of stoically held out though as a as a you know a headlining act and mm-hmm. um been offered many 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 support tours for for a lot of money and turned it down. Mm-hmm. But this really intrigued us because, you know, probably because we're more familiar with these guys. Um, Billy's very, very close to Lilo Brothers. Yeah. Uh, Gavin I only met recently, but he's a fellow Brit. So mm-hmm. there's a certain camaraderie there already, you know, yeah. before we've even turned the key on the thing. Do you find, like, for me, you know, I'll be honest, the older you get, you just don't want to deal with jerks. <laughs> I just don't want to. You know what I mean? I will, well, you don't. Yeah. I avoid jerks at all costs, really. <laughs> Roadkill. Yeah. Roadkill's got a question for Ian Asprey from the Cult on with us. Ian, heard rumor, true or false, that uh, hearing the Doors song, the, uh, the End, is what got your musical career going? Well, that, not entirely true, but um, not far off base. Is I probably heard, actually, Riders on the Storm when I was about 10. Yeah. Um, maybe, you know, very, very early on, really formative period. But at the same time, was, you know, I was listening to Bo- Bowie was my first real introduction into music i got life first single i bought was life on mars first single i bought that shows my age right uh you know it was a vinyl seven inch single i actually had to physically leave the house with money in my pocket go into a store and purchase uh that was the only way you could get your music so but the doors i heard on it there's a radio station called radio luxembourg that was playing music from um it was like an indie station based yeah. in the middle of Europe, mm-hmm. and they were playing like music you wouldn't hear in the top, you know, in the, in the commercial radio stations. Right. I remember hearing Riders on the Storm, and it was a uh, just kind of a, this otherworldly sound that I it didn't sound like the rest of the pop music at the time. And then 
kind of had a love affair, slowly built through the doors, but Apocalypse Now is probably the most powerful, visceral doors moment, the, the end sequence when they, uh, you know, the end of the film when they, they bombed the compound, Kurtz's compound, very, very powerful and left a deep impression on me at like 16. You and me both. And I saw that. that. So, that movie, yeah. that movie scared the. I mean, it's legitimately affected me in a way that most movies don't. I mean, it that movie was that movie set me back. That was that was rough. And you talked about life on Mars. We we played that song just last week. And the interesting thing you mentioned is, you know, that big thing, Ian, that we all went through when you went out and you bought your first record. That first claim of what you know. Hey, hey look, I'm buying this. This is who. I, this is what I like musically and spending your own money. That was such a big deal then that I think is lost now. On on, and I, I guess every generation has said this, but it's lost on the music buying public of today, what that experience was like, you know, way back when. I mean, I remember kids, you know, you'd have a day when teachers would let you bring a record into school. Yeah. And it was a big deal to play a single track in the classroom. Yeah. And even the technology was fascinating because, you know, the school definitely had a better record player than we had at home. So <laughs> it was the whole thing of, like, sharing that with all your peers. Yeah. And you could tell which the, the kind of kids, you know, you kind of... Um, School can be pretty brutal when you're growing, you know, when you're young. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, I mean, I moved around a lot, so I was always at a new school, so I was yeah. always like, I had to right. watch out for the bullies. But music was with the real um, connective tissue for me going to new schools and stuff. Immediately, people ask you what kind of music you listen to. Yeah. And then that kind of defined who your friends are going to be and everything like that. So uh, Ian Asprey from the Cult on with us. Going to be at the uh, Bank of New Hampshire Pavilion Thursday, August 2nd with STP and Bush. Kelly Brown has a question for you. In uh, in college, uh, late 80s, She Sells Sanctuary, we'd make these mixtapes, and, and She Sells Sanctuary was on there. <laughs> yes, it was. Prominently. Uh, but you said uh, during the, the height of the, uh, the cult success, it's been written that there was some self-loathing on your part, and you, you felt disconnected during that time. When did you get over that? Um, well, I mean, certainly in terms of, uh, you talk about the cult success, this band's been rolling for a minute, so every day is above ground is a good day for this, for, you know. Yeah, I mean, when you start out full of being incredibly earnest and, um, idealistic, you know, with how it's going to be, and then when you get in the music industry, the business of it, all of a sudden you find yourself surrounded by, um, people who, you know, A&R people, management, um, even you know, people that are close to the band. Yeah. As as the money starts rolling in, you see people's characters kind of change, and the kind of the environment becomes more about the success, the commercial success of a brand, <clears throat> of a band, and um, less about you know the creative drive of a band. Right. <clears throat> so that was a very difficult period to go through, and the cult was very successful. Yeah. Uh, commercially, almost. Immediately, and certainly, she sells sanctuary was <clears throat> good. Understand? I mean, that came out right. I mean, I was very young, I was you know maybe twenty three when yeah. that came out, and mm-hmm. we were that came out right in the week of Live Aid in the UK, and it was a hit single. Yeah, and all of a sudden, we were thrown into an environment where I mean, I remember being at Live Aid, and I'd never been around the kind of star power that you know standing next to Bowie and Freddie Mercury and right, um, you know, the guys from the Who, and there's <laughs> just this incredible um, weight of talent, and uh, that was that was really intoxicating being around that kind of energy. Uh, I, I'm listening to you now. That's that kind of like what the how the hell did I get here kind of moment. And I I've never asked it any, was. 
I, I, I never asked anybody this, but I'm, when I'm listening to you talk about how everybody changes around you, I would imagine that going through that, with that immediate success that you went through with the cult, then you kind of got to look at yourself and go, wait, okay, is it them that's changing? And then you look at yourself and go, or is it me? Did is that? Do you do that? No, it's more response. I mean, it wasn't so much the there's certainly stuff going on within the band. I mean, everybody made different choices in yeah. terms of what kind of career they wanted. But mm-hmm. certainly for me, I noticed around me there's a lot more, uh, you know, kind of... Everything was geared towards commercial success, like yeah. keeping us out on the road for extended periods. I mean, we're going out and doing like, you know, 150, right. 180, sometimes 200 dates a year. Right. And then coming off the back of that and going straight into an album cycle. And, they, you know, kept, people kept us working, even when we were exhausted, mm-hmm. even when we were in, um, you know, completely fatigued. I mean, I... Called one tour uh, going to Japan. Uh, we had a very heavy year, <clears throat> and um, at that time it was like I went to see a doctor. And he says you got to stop right now, and I'm like it's maybe 26 or 27. Right, like you better take a break because um, you're not in great shape. <clears throat> but the management and everybody just wanted to keep it moving. So yeah, I have to say that uh, you know that I've seen you before, you guys. I think I think you opened our arena in in New Hampshire uh, way back when with Aerosmith when you toured with Aerosmith. I, I think that was one of the first shows uh, at the arena. And uh, you, yeah, there's nothing that you don't. You guys don't leave anything out there on the stage. That's what I've always kind of appreciated about you guys is is when you go out. You know, you're one of those bands that leaves it all out there. And uh, I think that's one of the things that people love love about the cult. And I'm looking forward to seeing you come back. Back to New Hampshire, the Bank of New Hampshire Pavilion with uh, STP and Bush. But always been a fan, longtime fan. So it's good to. We had Billy on many times too. So give Billy our best, and, and uh, cool. we look forward to seeing you Ian, coming up in August. Man, it's going to be a great show. Looking forward to. Thank it. you. Thank you very much for getting very up early, brother. I'm sorry you had to get oh, up early. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ian. Appreciate it. Good day. Take care, guys. You too. Bye bye. Seems like a nice guy. Have we? Ha- I know we've had Billy on yep. many times, and you know what? I'm going to go out. On, on a little bit of a limb, and say that they, the cult, was the first rock band to ever play at what is now the Southern New Hampshire <clears throat> University Arena. Because I believe Aerosmith was the first show, and I believe the cult opened for them. I think so, you're right, unless there was an opener for the cult that no, night. I don't, and think, I don't think, there think there was. was. I don't think that was, because that's the night you wanted to throw the general manager out of the box yeah. and really the cool crowd. introducing yourself to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we worked together for like <laughs> two years. Yeah, that's who I was there to see. Yeah, Scotty, and was, you had to stand there and go, oh, "Hi, hi, my name's so and so." Guys, I've worked here for a year. Thanks. One yep. of, so he got treated like he treats other people. Yeah, and he didn't like it. Isn't that funny? Right. All right. Anyway, the cult goes around, comes around, or just cult, either whatever way. Ladies and gentlemen, we got uh, birthday edition final vinyl coming up with uh, Laura J. Boyce celebrating a birthday today. But we got some news to catch up on, and we'll do it right after this.